There are neighborhoods across America where neighbors keep to themselves. <clears throat> In these neighborhoods, no one cares about the color of someone's skin or how much money is in the bank. There is no crime, there is no worry, and there is no fear. There's no rush hour, no last-minute presentation to be made to the board. They don't hurry home to fix dinner or to watch a ball game. There are no houses or boats or shiny new cars, and there's no such thing as keeping up with the Joneses. In these neighborhoods, a Merry Christmas, a family vacation, a child's birthday party is just a memory held by others. These neighborhoods are reserved for a precious few men and women, and these neighborhoods come with a cost, a cost so high that those who pay it lay down their lives to move in. They are national cemeteries. I'd driven past one overlooking the Kentucky River dozens upon dozens of times. There's one off the main highway in Minneapolis-St. Paul where my nephew that I grew up side by side with, Lance Corporal Jack Arnold, is resting. Former President Ronald Reagan once said these words, the sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its rows upon rows of simple white crosses and stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Their lives ended in places like Bella Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, and the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Triptau, who left his job at a small barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the framed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions during heavy fire. And we're told that upon his body was found a diary, and on the flyleaf under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work. I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure, I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. Those that, who say we live in a time when there are no heroes, Ronald Reagan said, they just don't know where to look. I agree. There are some things in every one of our lives here this morning that we would like to forget but there are some things that we should never forget. And that's what Memorial Day is all about. It was begun by our fellow Americans to show gratitude and appreciation for those soldiers who gave their lives so that others could raise families and live and worship in a free land. Its origins date back to the time of the Civil War and many people say that it was first recognized by President Abraham Lincoln when he visited the Gettysburg Battleground to commemorate those who gave their lives in that great struggle and decisive battle. The date was November the 19th, 1863, and if those men hadn't given their lives at Gettysburg, President Lincoln might have been the last president of the United States. Here's what he said. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. 
Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. This morning we could say praise God that the nation did endure and that he was not the last president of the United States. And no doubt you've heard his words of the Gettysburg Address from the time you were a little kid in civics class or in history class until now. But he said before the crowd that day, we are met on a great battlefield of that war, and we have come to dedicate a portion of this field as a resting place for those who gave their lives that the nation might live. And it's altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate We cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, they have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which those who have fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take the increased devotion to the cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Some people say Memorial Day actually began in 1865 with a fellow named Henry Wells, a druggist in Waterloo, New York, when he began the idea of decorating the graves of Civil War soldiers. In fact, some people still call Memorial Day Decoration Day. Because it's a time when people all across America will go to put flags and flowers on the graves of service personnel. I've been told that on the average day, over 5,000 people will visit the USS Arizona Memorial in Hawaii. But on Memorial Day weekend, those numbers will soar to over 10,000. Who will stand in long lines and in heat for hours just to see that memorial and pay their respects. On an average day, more than 15,000 people will visit the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington, D.C., but on Memorial Day weekend, that number will almost double as well. You say, well, why is that, preacher? Well, people need to remember what we should never forget. And sadly, this morning, we can't fully thank the veterans who had given their ultimate for us, but we can thank their families. We can thank their brothers in arms, and we can thank their friends. And we can thank those who chose to serve. And so this morning, if if you lost a loved one, or if you lost a friend in the service of our country, if you lost a brother in arms, or if you served as a veteran of the United States military, I'm going to ask that you stand right now so we can express our gratitude to you. Please stand. Thank you. You know, the Bible is, is full of memorials. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 12, it was after the flood that God said this, this is a sign of the covenant that I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. 
And friends, let's be clear once for all, that rainbow doesn't belong to a select part of the community. That's God's rainbow. And he placed it in the sky as a memorial that he would never again judge and destroy all the earth with a flood. Now he didn't say that he would never judge the earth again. And if you're a student of the Bible, you know that he will someday judge the earth. And this time, it will be by fire. He's going to judge the world and every person that does not know him, that does not choose to accept and live by his word. But that rainbow is a memorial to us. Or the tent of meeting in the Old Testament, the the tabernacle and the temple. It was a memorial, and, and within that temple was a brazen altar. And along with the blood of the sacrifices given there, it was a memorial of the redemption by God's mercy through blood. In fact, the scripture says in Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the creature is in the blood, and I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. One of my favorites, the the memorial stones of Gilgal in Joshua chapter 4, where the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them, and they took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, just as the Lord had instructed Joshua. And they carried them over to them within their camp, and they put them down. And Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan, right at the spot where the priest who had carried the ark had stood, and they're there to this day. They were there as a memorial to them and to future generations of how God was always true to his promises, how he'd brought the people out of bondage in Egypt, how he'd led them through the severity of the wilderness and now into the promised land. How about the cross of Jesus? What a memorial it is. It's not just a piece of jewelry to augment your outfit. It's not just something to to decorate a sanctuary with. It's a reminder, a memorial to remind us of the price that was paid for our spiritual freedom. The Apostle Paul would say of that, the message of this cross, it's foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And friends, when you see the passion of Jesus for each one of us, it should transfix you. And it should break your heart that he would suffer so much for us. And it should anger you as well to see just how brutal and evil sin and its punishment can get. It's a memorial to us that a sacrifice was made. I want to share one more with you from Scripture today. If you have God's Word with you, this is in the Old Testament in in 1 Samuel chapter 7. The Ark of the Covenant had been seized by the Philistines, not because the Philistines were such a powerful nation, but because God's people were so steeped in disobedience. And yet, through a a series of miraculous events, they would be forced to return the ark to Israel with frustration and bitterness and gifts. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1, the command, Come down and take it up to your town. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came, and they took took up the altar of the Lord. They brought it to, to one man's house. Can you imagine the honor to Abinadab's house on the hill? And they consecrated Eleazar, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. The ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim a long time, 20 years in all. And all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. And Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, 
Then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bales and asterisks, their idols, and they served the Lord only. And then Samuel said to them, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and they poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted and they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was serving as the leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled there, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and he sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offerings, the Philistines, they drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. And the men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and slaughtered them along the way to a point below beth Now listen to this. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin and he named it Ebenezer. And he said, thus far the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer, a stone of help, a stone of remembrance. I was reading that passage this week as I prepared for this message and I was listening to uh, my iTunes to David Crowder and he sang the song that we've sung in worship before that simply says, come now fount of every blessing. And the second line of that song, which is deleted from our hymnal for some reason, says this, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. For Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Memorials matter. Memorials matter. The Lord's Supper, baptism, the empty tomb, all memorials to help remind us that God loves us. And the life that he has desired and created for all of us. And the promises he has made to us. Memorials do so many things for us. And I want to just give you five things that the memorials do for us on Memorial Day. Here's number one. Memorials provide us with a place to remember. Whether it's the USS Arizona or the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Or the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery, where you see the rows upon rows of the white crosses marking the resting place of soldiers as far as the eye can see. The Alamo in San Antonio, Texas, or even a section in our very own Ferncliff Cemetery here in Springfield, they are set aside to help us remember what we should never forget. Millions of people will make their way to a memorial this weekend to remember some to reflect, some to weep. And friends, this church is a place like that. 
You may not have thought about the church as a place for a memorial, but this is a place that we come to remember. We remember the good gifts that God has given us in the country in which we live, in the blessings that, that we enjoy. This is a place that we come to remember what God has done for us, what Christ bought for us, and the life that we have. This is a place where we should come to reflect. It's a place where we should come to renew our commitments and regain our perspective. This is a place where we should come to weep and laugh and celebrate all because of what Jesus has done and because of the glorious gift of God's word in, in the Bible. You know what, what scripture says? The apostle Paul, was, or excuse me, Peter was speaking to people in 2 Peter 1.12 and he said this, I'm always going to remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. He said, I think it's right for me to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. What, what is he so urgently reminding people of? Well, it says this in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power, it's given us everything we need. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world that's caused by evil desires. He wanted them to remember what God had done, to remember what their life could and should and ought be through Jesus Christ. He didn't want them to ever forget. And so he said, as long as I'm alive in this body, which he said I know is not going to be for much longer, my goal is to help you remember the things you should never forget. And that's what I want to do here this morning. See, the point is, we need to do more than just practice the principles and the passages we need to do just more than practice the parables and the promises that we find in God's word. We need to internalize them. We need to live them and pass them along to those that are coming behind us. One of the things that frightens me all the time, friends, the more we forget, the less likely the younger generations are ever going to be to remember. We need to remember because if we fail to remember, others will never know. I've heard it said before, the church is one generation away from extinction. And you look it back at what we were taught in civics class or in history class about our nation and being grateful for the country we have and for those who fought to preserve this nation. That's just one generation away as well from forgetting the gift that God has given us. Every memorial that helps us remember is good. For example, in the Old Testament, did you know that the Israelites could only go into the temple through one door. Only one door. And there was a group of people, the, the, the sons of Asaph, who were the doorkeepers, who protected anyone but an Israelite from entering. And that was just a foreshadowing of what was to come in Jesus Christ, who said, I'm the only way, I'm the only truth, I'm the only life. Acts 4.12 teaches us salvation is found in no other name because there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. And Israel would enter through this one gate as a memorial. And as they did so, they remembered their sinfulness. Engraved upon the blocks surrounding the entrance from the outside court where the Gentiles would be separated 
to where the Jews gathered close to God, there were stones like this one. And we still have these today. And engraved upon the stone are the words, No man of another nation can enter within the fence and enclosure around this temple. And whoever's caught will have himself to blame that his death ensues. They were a memorial of exclusion. But when Jesus was murdered for our sins and the temple veil was torn in two, those stones were destined to fall. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 2.14. Jesus himself, he's our peace. He's made the two groups one and he has destroyed the barrier. He's broken down the dividing wall of hostility. And friends, as we come to this memorial, we remember our sins. We remember when that wall fell and God brought us into his freedom. Memorials provide us with a place to remember. Let me tell you right now in the world that we live in, we need every young person. We need every college age student. We need every young single couple and parents to know and be in this place to remember and recognize who God is and what God has given us. Memorials also provide us, secondly, a purpose to recall. A purpose to recall. For many people this weekend, it will come in a quiet moment. Uh, my wife's family grew up watching the Indianapolis 500. And though they will have a moment of prayer, they will also have a moment of silence. Guess which one usually gets televised? Now, we, we need moments of silence. If you're parents and you've got children, you probably don't remember what a moment of silence was like at your house. You know, a moment of silence is great, but you know what's even better? It's a moment of prayer. Don't just stand there and do nothing. Talk to God. Thank him for your blessings. Thank him for your privileges. And people all over this nation, they will pause and remember in their own way. And that's okay. But they'll reflect on the purpose of it all. And there will be people that ask, why would anybody be willing to die for this country? What reason could anybody give for a serviceman or servicewomen to give their lives on our behalf? This country is a mess, they will say. Why would anyone want to do that? In fact, there's a whole generation, I think, again, growing up, they can't conceive of that. They don't understand why just a generation ago people would lie about their age so that they could enter military service to go and fight for the gift of our freedom. What would possess somebody to do that? And lay down their lives to protect this land from all enemies, both foreign and domestic. I believe with all my heart it's the inspiration of a God that teaches us to value life. To value the freedom that ultimately comes in Jesus Christ that should be shared. And even for those among us who served and did not die serving this country, you said it. You said, I am willing to die for this country. The passage that David read is true in John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. The point is that the example of everyone who gave their lives, it ought to cause the rest of us to pause and be grateful. And it ought to cause us to be willing to step up and die for our country if need be as well. What was the purpose of it all? What was the design of it all within their life? It was for a gift. For people they had never met and families they had never met. And yet now, 
We're convinced through the news and everything else, the headlines dominate the problems in our country, the politicians and their performance and lack thereof. And we've gotten to be a nation of people that fight with each other instead of fighting for each other. And we need to get back to the basics. It's kind of like what, what happened for a brief time after 9-11. You remember that? You remember what it was like and where you were on 9-11, don't you? I remember what it was like on September the 10th. America was a different place then. But the day after, people were coming together like never before. Overnight, th this nation became like siblings. Now some of you, you grew up in homes with multiple brothers and sisters. And I know a church, a family within this church, a number of four boys, and they fought like cats and dogs. And they would pair off two boys on either side of their backyard, and they would shoot at each other with BB guns. Now, you know who you are. But they had a sister. And you know what happened if anybody attacked that sister or spoke against her? They would all line up behind her to protect her. It didn't matter if you were as skinny as a number two pencil. You became like John Wayne and you protected your family. You know, I've, I've, I've kind of determined in my mind that if anybody hurts one of my daughters, I'm going to be like Liam Neeson and Taken. I've got the lines scripted already. You know, when I talk to them, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have is a set of skills, a set of skills that I've acquired over a very long career, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you don't stop teasing my daughter, you know, if you stop teasing her, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you and I will find you. And you know how that rest of it ends. Anyway, <laughs> friends, you can gossip about me. You can hurt me, but, but don't go after my wife. Don't you dare go after my children. And what I'm saying this morning is any memorial that helps us remember, I'm not just an American. We are Americans. And we're not meant to fight with each other. We're meant to fight for each other. Those memorials fulfill the purpose. It ought to remind us of the purpose and lead us to the example of Proverbs 31.8 when we are commanded as believers to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Memorials are good for us. Don't just make it about barbecues and boats and time on the lake, friends. Those things are all okay. They're good. But remember, somebody sacrificed so you could be on that lake. Somebody sacrificed so that you could be enjoying that meal. Remember, it all cost something. And I want you to hear the message where a preacher could say, whatever God leads him to say, whatever God has put up on his heart, you, I want you to know you're able to gather with God's word when some churches don't even have a full copy of Scripture. They've been able to smuggle in just a few pages that they've ripped out. And in many families, we've got multiple copies of the Bible on our shelf at home. We have freedoms that so many other nations do not have. You know, the old hymn says, I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Why would you cherish an old rugged cross? It's because of the one who died there. 
It's because of the purpose for which he came to seek and save the lost. His blood accomplished our spiritual freedom, our liberation from the bondage of sin. And ladies and gentlemen, his example ought to lead us to give our lives in service for one another. And if you strayed from that purpose, friends, I want you to hear what God's word says. It tells me as a preacher to say this to you. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Memorials are a place to remember, a purpose to remember. And don't forget, it's a person to picture. I have been privileged on more than one time to visit the mall in Washington, D.C., I know some of our youth, Georgia Bailey was one of them that got to go just recently uh, with the school trip here in Clark County. And it, it takes time to see all the memorials there. And, and I don't think I've ever exhausted them all. But they're amazing. And they're sobering as you stand before them. And I'll tell you, if you just walk by them and glance at them, you're missing out. Because if you stop and you read the names on those memorials... You'll feel, you'll feel a lump in your throat because you begin to realize they're not just sculptures. It's not just some stone monument. Every name represents a life given, an empty chair around somebody's table at Thanksgiving, a, a son, a daughter, a father, mother, a fiance given. To me, one of the moving that I've ever been to is the Vietnam Memorial. You'll find people bringing, and even though they're not supposed to, They'll bring pieces of paper and, and charcoal and they'll find the name on the wall and they'll put that paper there and they'll do that etching of the name of someone that was a brother in arms lost in conflict or a family member. I've seen soldiers approach that monument and just put their hand on it and just weep as they remember their time in Vietnam. I've seen men in wheelchairs and women in wheelchairs, people on crutches, some people without arms and legs approach that wall, and many times they'll leave little mementos and badges and, and, and awards, different things at the base of that memorial. Because to them, that conflict was, was a person to remember. And, and, and friends, we don't know them all, but we do owe them all. Jeremiah 6.16 says, this is what the Lord says, go and stand. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Not long ago, I was able to visit the D-Day Memorial for the second time at the home of the Bedford Boys down in Bedford, Virginia. And surrounding the gardens and the memorials were, were just plaques upon plaques. And, and I stood there and began to, to read the names. And the rest of my family, they kind of went on. And, and I was sitting there just saying them out loud and, and as I read them out, you know, you could just feel your stomach begin to churn. But it was so rewarding to say, David Jones, thank you. They would never hear me say the words. But they made it possible, the very fact that I could stand there and speak their name as a prayer to my Heavenly Father. And people say, you know, you shouldn't be patriotic in church. You shouldn't display an American flag in the sanctuary. The church is no place to talk about nationalism. But brothers and sisters, as long as I'm a preacher in this church and as long as there's breath in my lungs, we will do it in this fellowship. Because I understand the privilege I have 
of being in a place like this with a copy of God's word purchased, bought by those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for me. The soldiers of faith have said them, the words of devotion, and we can say of our veterans in like kind in Hebrews eleven thirty seven, they were put to death by stoning, they were sawn in two, killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, and this world was not worthy of them. And we dare not take it lightly. And we dare not forget. A memorial gives us a place to remember, a purpose to remember. But don't forget, it gives us that person's face to remember. And it also provides us, and I'll go quickly now, with a legacy to honor. Our greatest freedom is to be Christians as Americans. The greatest place to live one day is going to be in heaven with our, our Savior. And I understand, and I want you to be there as well. But how much of that is possible because of the sacrifice of others? The sacrifice of Jesus made possible our redemption made possible our forgiveness and every blessing we have. And, and friends, it was part of the foundation of this country, and we knew that as Americans. There's something different about America. This country was not founded on a love of gold like South America was. North America was founded on a passion for God, and God makes all the difference in the world. When other countries need disaster relief or protection, who do they call? They call on the United States of America. When they need, need aid, they call here because they know America is different. This has never been a country to go and seize land just to be bigger. And whenever there's been a war, friends, whether Syria is leveled or Iraq is destroyed, even after World War II, as Europe was ravaged, who was it that spent billions of dollars to go back and reconstruct the infrastructure and help them build? It was the United States. And yet, after World War II, when the railroads of this country went belly up, not a single dollar came from another country to support us. There's something different about this country, when tornadoes or earthquakes or fire ravage the countryside and destroy homes and lives, what country sends aid to the United States? None. But when there's a flag to be burned in effigy, when there is mud to be cast, the evils of the world are laid at our doorstep. That's our history. That is our legacy. But friends, it's one that we need to protect and we need to remember. Proverbs 13.22 says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So grandparents, you better be sharing with your grandchildren what it means to be an American. You better teach them about sacrifice. Take them by the hand. Take them to the National Cemetery. Help them to read the names of those who sacrificed everything. There are people all around this world, not just at our southern border, that are longing to be in America because there's something special and they know it and they want it. We need to remember what God has done. And men, 2 Timothy 2.2 says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others and join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Here's the last thing. 
Memorials provide us with a promise to cling to. Memorial Day reminds us that there are promises worth dying for. You know what that promise was? I'm going to take you all the way back to our very first commander-in-chief, George Washington. It's something that he quoted over 50 times in his correspondence, and you could find it in three different scriptures in the Bible. Micah 4.4, 1 Kings 4.25, and Zechariah 3.10. Micah says this, Everyone will sit underneath their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. It's what every soldier fights for. Peace. General Douglas MacArthur said it well, the soldier above all other people prays for peace, for he must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and the scars of war. Friends, it's the promise of peace that propels soldiers from every generation to be willing to give their lives They believe that America is worth living for and it's worth dying for because that's what it takes. And untold untold numbers of American soldiers have paid the ultimate price so that their generation and future generations can understand the possibility of living in peace. Many who would never appreciate what was done on their behalf. Many who would never feel compelled one time to say thank you. You don't believe me? Remember what happened when the soldiers came back from Vietnam and how they were treated. But our soldiers have stood in the face of evil tyrants, of terrorists and the enemies of freedom. And thanks to their sacrifice, there is still a promise of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness under God's peace that exists today. And friends, it's available for everyone who wants it. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, because as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Be thankful. There's something about peace and memorials. Remember the story several years ago about 67-year-old Ed Hardy? Ed Hardy was a retired teacher in Duxbury, Massachusetts, and he decided he was going to make a memorial to our soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan. And and Hardy, at the behest of no one, started tying yellow ribbons around pine trees, uh, yellow ribbons that had the name of soldiers that had died in combat serving this country. He said, I would put up five or ten yellow ribbons on these pine trees every night, and I would stop and I would just say a prayer for that, that individual's name and for his family and those that he left behind in his unit Every night, five to ten of those. And it it was my way uh, of acknowledging the sacrifice they had made. But the town officials weren't happy. And so they got together and said, look, you don't have the proper permits. You don't have the proper requirements for doing something like this. You've got two weeks to take them down. But the local American Legion supported Ed Hardy. So did the local newspapers. And so did even many uh, opponents of the war. And what became a command from the city commissioners to take down the ribbons soon became an impossible thing because the number of ribbons he put up paled in comparison with the thousands of yellow ribbons that the community put up together. Ribbons for those who could not be legislated into oblivion, who could not be forgotten. Paul said in Colossians 4 to devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful. And be thankful. And friends, we have 
right and wrong. This isn't just a matter of nationalism. It's not a matter of patriotism. It's about right and wrong that we know from God's word. We don't need another morality. We don't need a new way of values. We already have it in God's word. We have them on a cracked copy on the corner of Main Street and Center Street downtown. A copy of the Ten Commandments that's still there. Friends, you can crumble that thing to ash, but God's word stands firm forever. You can force prayer out of schools. You can take the Bible out of the classroom and out of the public place. And you know what will happen? We'll continue to have school shootings that happen almost weekly. We'll have communities in America that life is no longer valued. And friends, if you don't value life, then you really can't celebrate Memorial Day and honor those who served. My last story I want to share with you is about a fellow named Rex Paris. And I love this account because it was the right thing to do. Rex Paris knew what to do the moment his wife leaned over and whispered in his ear. They were attending an awards dinner for the Boy Scouts. And local Iraq War veterans were at the convention center in Lancaster, California on April the 21st of 1999. The evening special guests were Gary and Julie Watasnik, whose son Justin, who had been a former Eagle Scout, died in September of the previous year while training as an Air Force PJ, a pararescue jumper. The evening's climactic event was the auction of a U.S. battle flag that was flown over the embattled Iraqi city of Fallujah. Proceeds would go to the Boy Scouts, and as the bidding began, Mr. Paris, or Mrs. Paris leaned over her husband and she said, you need to buy that for the parents. She didn't have to tell him that. He'd already planned to do so. Pretty soon it was just him and a local physician, and, and the bidding was up to $10,000. Paris's... Uh, Last bid, his final bid, was $17,000. And the room was transfixed. And he, he recalled going up to collect that flag in its wooden case, walking over to Julie Watasnik and handing it to her. As the tears flowed and the room erupted with applause. He said, my decision to buy that flag was not because my wife told me to. It was my way of honoring all the soldiers killed in Iraq and celebrating the life of a man who was just preparing to serve his country in war. It was the right thing to do. Folks, we know the right thing to do today. And every memorial reminds us the right thing to do that is good for us, and we need to protect those memorials. After all, it was our Lord and Savior who stood in the face of evil, who stood nose to nose with the enemy of our souls, the devil himself. And Jesus didn't just stare the devil down. He took him out for all eternity. At the cross, Jesus made the greatest once-for-all sacrifice so that every man, woman, boy, or girl, whosoever would, could come. So this Memorial Day, we have to protect beautiful gift of memory and also remember Hebrews 12 28 therefore since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let's be thankful and let's worship God acceptably with reverence and awe would you stay with me this morning 
And let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know us. Because you're God in heaven, you, you see throughout all history, and you know our desires, and you know how they war within us. And you knew what it would take to end that spiritual battle once and for all. For those of us that call you Lord and Savior, the victory's already won. We're already living with a clear banner, the salvation that you offer. Many of us grew up in Christian homes where it wasn't just spoken of once in a while. It wasn't just remembered once a year. It was remembered every day. And we're grateful. Father, there are those in this room who not only serve, but when they came home, they didn't all come home because some of their comrades in arms were left in battlefield. Father, sometimes it was a part of their heart. Sometimes it was part of their mind that they still miss yet today because the cost of war is so exacting. It's more than just the preparation. It's more than just the day-to-day -day of combat. It's the fatigue. It's the pain. It's the memories that come back to flood again and again. Lord, there are those in this room that are still paying the price for every one of us. And they need to know how grateful we are. Father, upon the day that they leave this world and go to be with you, even as I believe as a soldier might do, who looked at you on a cross and said, surely this was the Son of God. Even as Paul would speak to Timothy and say, you be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Even as a Philippian jailer would say, even in his uniform, I need you as my Lord and Savior. That Father, you have a special place in your kingdom for soldiers. You yourself know what it was like to pay the ultimate sacrifice. Lord, don't let this weekend pass without giving a true expression to our gratitude for them, but here this morning for you. Lord, there's someone here this morning that maybe you've just impressed upon through your Holy Spirit the price you paid for their salvation, their forgiveness, for a fresh start for them and, and just the removal of a burden they have been carrying their whole life. Let them come home today to you. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name.